spirited take on our intro by the goose drip mafia the goose drip yeah goose drip Ooh. you know but the drip means so many different things these days it's not like a drippy old goose i think it's like a stylish blinging goose like the goose has a lot of money a lot of golden eggs up its bunda oh yeah really wonk style Oh, yeah. <laughs> Daddy, I want to go to Goose now. <laughs> well, that's a, that was a mighty fine take. Where are they based out of? Louisiana. Place? That makes sense. Yeah. They put the a lot of things together. dripping down there. Oh, yeah. They use the goose drippings for the gravy and for the tunes. Mm. 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 Lord help us. So, how has your week been? It's been good. Started up an old gig that hasn't been happening for many months. The Monday night jazz. So that's been nice to get back to. Been missing playing with the the guys I do that with. And been good to get back. This is uh, Monday night jazz where? At Jack's Pizza. Jack's Pizza in Logan, Utah. That's a pretty good spot. Oh yeah, they got really fine beer selection and... Some tasty, tasty pizza. Mm-hmm. That's some good artwork in there, too. Oh, yeah. I always enjoyed that. Yeah, they've always had a quite an eclectic uh, collection there. It's pretty cool. And the murals they've had done are sweet. So. Hell, yeah. Um, My week has just been exhausting. It's been really busy. Yeah. You've so I'm not the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. So you've had quite the schedule this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Usually I'm left to my own artsy devices, so I get to stay up late like I normally would and wake up late, which I guess that's something we could discuss real quick. Is uh, there's I feel like there's sleep shaming in this country. I know oh. I said we weren't going to get all political. Um, so, but... This isn't political. This is a real issue. all i know is uh if i'm left to my own accord i kind of naturally creep towards staying awake till 3 a.m and then i wake up around 11 or 12 and if you break that down that's about eight to nine hours of sleep it's not like i'm doing a crazy amount of sleep or like not sleeping enough and it's just, if I'm following my own nature, I'm pretty nocturnal. Yeah, it's a different you know, different slice of the day, but still eight hours. That's totally yep. cool. 
I'm a similar way. And I think it's, for me, it's from, like, there's not often a weekend where I'm not out playing somewhere. And I don't get home till like, midnight, one or two. So mm-hmm. I usually am in bed by three for sure. But, uh, you know, I definitely tend to stay up a little later and uh, wake up around 9, 10, which is definitely <laughs> later than most people would uh would they'd be surprised at that or yeah like you said sleep shame you unfortunate let me ask you this uh it's kind of like a which came first the goose or the egg kind of question mm-hmm. um do you think we're a little more nocturnal because of our artistic ways or do you just kind of become like that because you're artistic um, I'm not sure. I mean, as a kid, I always had a tendency to stay up and, you know, read a book super late, too. You know, I've just always been that way. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's probably that might be might have led to the other, you know, that might have just how we are and how we think makes us want to stay up and ponder later. And that's just kind of an artsy thing to do. I think uh, something that would be worth asking a morning person that we have on at some point is how they feel about nighttime. If they're like, no, I love doing things at night. It's just that I love being awake in the morning or I just don't feel right if I stay up late. Um, For me, staying up late, once the sun goes down and things kind of quiet down, it's just way easier for me to be creative and get creative and... Uh, yeah, like you're saying, read a book and imagine it and your imagination is stimulated. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It's just that's always where when I get my best work done and I'm the most motivated is about 9 p.m. till whatever I crash. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a lot of people that are that way. Yep. But I, I they shall remain nameless, but I've had a couple people in my life like look at you. I'm kidding. Like waking up at 11 or 12, how ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry. What work were you getting done at 2 in the morning last night?" Oh, yeah, that's who you were sleeping. Oh, okay. <laughs> hmm. Exactly. Still getting stuff done. Do it on your own time, however you like. And when I go out on like backpacking trips, I do tend to, you know, get up earlier, try to get up right before the sun rises and stuff to get on the trail. Uh, there's late after, you know, like afternoon thunderstorms. So if there's like a reason mm-hmm. to get up, I, I'll do it and whatever. But yeah, my, my current schedule, I could, I could do that. Yeah. I can plan my day how I want to. So I'm going to do it like that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, look, I'm not trying to start a civil war here between morning people and night people. I'm not like trying to form a militia of night people to kidnap the day person governor or anything. <laughs> Listen, red eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Listen here. This is our country. <laughs> but like I said, no politics. The only reason I'm bringing that up is, uh, just been very tired this week, even though I've gotten plenty of sleep. Just something about waking up early. You know, I get the work done and get whatever things over that I need to get have 
over, but I mean, you can even tell by the way I'm formulating words right now. I'm just like, the word's good. (laughs) So that being said, this is kind of just a winging it episode. We're just going to kind of go over some things that we kind of had, like just kind of tucked away or just like whatever kind of comes to mind. Um, I think we were going to discuss a little bit of music, so we'll kind of save that just for a minute. And before we get into it, I'll go ahead and go over some of the films I've been watching. Um, In October, it's one of my favorite times of the year. I like to just try and watch some kind of Halloween vibe movie every day that I can. And it's just like, I don't know, it's really turned into one of my favorite traditions. And so... I kind of just, you know, simply called it October Movie Fest. And so I'm going to pull up what movies I've watched this week. And we'll do a quick recommend or don't bother with it. Also, you you try to find new ones as well? as Um, It's a mixture. It's like some classics and then it's like, oh, this thing I've heard about, never seen it. But I'm certainly picky. Like, if I if somebody's like, "Dude, you need to watch this," but I watch the trailer and I'm like, "I know the director and I kind of know the vibe," I'm like, "I'm not gonna watch that." Like, I definitely know the scary movies or the Halloween type movies that I'm just not gonna be that into. Yeah. So let me get to the top of this list with what I started with. And then you just let me know if you've seen these movies or if you have any thoughts on them. The first movie I started off the month with was Sleepy Hollow by Tim Burton. You ever catch that one? How old is that one? Is that a... mm, might have been like in the 90s. Like I remember as a little kid watching the trailer in the theater and it was like real. It was pretty spooky. It was effective. And I always thought liked the legend of Sleepy Hollow. So I was ready for it. But then it was rated R. I was too young. Grew up in Utah. Didn't see it for a while. That one was released in 1999. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. Pretty good. Um, Christopher Walken is the Headless Horseman. Nice. And if you're like, wait a minute. How are you going to do a character that doesn't have a head and it's Christopher Walken? It, it it gets explained. Things happen. Word. You, you get to see him. Uh, Christina Ricci's in it, looking pretty hot. I get to say that, even though she's a bit younger, but I was younger than her, so... Yeah. You know, I think you can nostalgically look back and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, put that one on my watch list. Mm-hmm. That one is a strong recommend. Um, I guess out of a scale of... Five pumpkins, I'd give it three ghosts. Nice. Um, The next movie was Fright Night, which is a movie from 1985. I love 80s horror film. And I hadn't seen this one before. And I gotta tell you, it's uh, really awesome 80s vibes and really great vampire story. So... I was loving that one. It starts off pretty cheesy, and you're like, oh, boy. And then 
kind of about halfway through. It stays cheesy, but like really good melty cheese. Nice. So on a scale of uh, one Frankenstein, and it's basically the whole Frankenstein, just maybe missing one bolt or something. Well, damn. Well, that's a that's a strong recommend. Oh yeah, that one. We'll see as I'm going down this list, but that might be my favorite one I've watched so far this month. Where was that one? Did you find that on just online randomly? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess that's something we could do. Uh, Sleepy Hollow was on Netflix. Bright Night was on Amazon Prime. Ah, okay. The next one I watched was The Cabin in the Woods. Have you seen that? Oh, well, I don't think I've seen that one either. That one's a classic. I'd seen it before. And the whole plot and setup of what it is is like really what makes it. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to get that deep into what it's about. Just that it really is good at kind of being meta and looking at horror films and scary movies and kind of reimagining why they are the way they are. I see. And so that's a very strong recommend. That is, so if we're, if the rating system is one cabin in the woods, I would say it's as good as like six dead virgins. Huh. Yeah, so that's, that's a very good one. I'm going to have to, I don't know how which order to watch these all in. I should have just started with you. Yeah, that's true. I can definitely be more in touch about, <laughs> yeah, I think this is what I'm going to be doing. And we definitely should do that. Does Netflix do the shared watch thing yet? I think they're the only ones that don't right now. Really? Yep. I feel like I noticed it on something recently. Like, you can do this now. Oh, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, get your shit together, Netflix. Yeah, come on. Watch party. Um... Next movie. This one I questioned about whether I should watch it. Um, but the thing was, is I had started the first part of it really late in September. And I was like, man, I really want to finish that movie. So the movie is Prometheus. Ah. And that's definitely a creepy, scary type movie, but it's very much sci-fi too. Yeah. So I was kind of trying to decide. It's like, am I just going with uh, scariness? Or am I going with uh, just Halloween vibes? And I wouldn't say Prometheus really has any kind of Halloween vibes unless scary stuff is Halloween to you. Yeah. But, I mean, that being said, Prometheus is an awesome movie. I've seen it plenty of times. I know it got a lot of flack when it first came out because it, like, had plot holes to folks or, like, was too convenient in some areas. But I think for the allegory they're going for and you know the whole concept itself is really cool and interesting so i've just i've always loved that movie so it might be my favorite out of all these movies but in terms of being very halloween vibe yeah i don't give it that many pumpkins i get you but like a lot of squirming aliens inside your chest oh boy are all the other ones like Halloween, like it's the Halloween time in them, or? No. Okay. 
but I think it's kind of the way I was picturing it is, you know, it's like spooky, supernatural stuff, or like vampires, Frankenstein, zombies. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was the other thing too. I was like looking at Silence of the Lambs, and I was like, "Is this a Halloween movie?" And I'm like, "I don't think it is." And yeah. so there's been all these lists of like really awesome serial killer movies like Zodiac and Science of the Lambs and uh, man, there's another one, but yeah, they're like, no, that's like psychological and kind of real. And so I might just do that in November. Just like get dark and be like, well, this is the reality. Just like the, the psychological thrillers. Yeah. Like psychopathic, narcissistic self-absorbed people i think it'll just really fit in november yeah that seems well, right. there's a lot of yeah there's an election happening anyway we're not going to talk is. about that we're going to move on oh. and then i didn't watch one last night so the last one i watched was the day before and that was jordan peele's us i want to see that one i want to see all of these yeah. I wanted to see that one. That one is very good. I will say, when I first saw it, I had only seen it once. I was like, maybe I like it more than Get Out, which was the other movie that Jordan Peele uh-huh. did. But after rewatching it, I was like, no, nah, I, I like Get Out more, just a little bit. That being said, they're both really awesome movies. Uh, Jordan Peele's just been a really exciting newer director to watch. And. Obviously, for those that may not know, Jordan Peele is one of two people that made Key and Peele, which was mm-hmm. the show on Comedy Central that was like really funny. So when he switched oh, over to making like these really good horror films, it was like, wow, like what a transition. Yeah. So, I mean, that one is like out of a bunch of paper chain people it's like 23 of them whoa oh yeah so all of those i recommend none were disappointing um i guess yeah which fright night would probably be my favorite nice for all the encompassing elements it's very halloween vibe it's got the funness of like old movies um Ah. Something about 80s music and just like creepy vampires trying to be seductive. It just it works really well. They were really hitting the synthesizers hard and it's fun. Oh yeah. What you got coming down the pipe this week? You got any movies on the docket ready to go? Um there is only certain films that I try to watch every year, not in any particular moment. But every time an October rolls around, I'm like, all right, I need to watch The Witch, which is a modern classic. Mm-hmm. I need to watch The Shining, which is a classic classic. Um, Definitely try to tackle some Stephen King stuff. Um, and Baba Duke. I try to catch that every oh, October. Nice. I think we watched yeah. that. Oh, October. we did. Mummy, mummy. <laughs> yeah, that was it's a, just 
was quite the movie. Oh, yeah. It made me feel things. That kid is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Well, you know Parenthood. <laughs> all, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's where, that's where we're at. Well, nice. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, uh, you mentioned the key and peel. I have watched a movie, it's been about a month now, but uh, Keanu? Yeah, where the one with the cat? Yeah. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that yet. Oh, good lord. Yeah, you gotta check that one out. That's gonna be right up your alley. Yeah. You know, with like the cat and stuff. But no, it's hilarious. Cats, good comedy. Movie. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out. I think when it came out, I was just not in the position to be able to see it, and then it kind of just it passed me by. I did not. I totally missed it. Like, it was on... It was on TV in the hotel room, and it's like, oh, this movie's awesome. I was like, what is this? I've never even heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is the thing that is relatable between comedies and horror movies is, uh, you know, they can get really harsh ratings and criticism. And my theory on that is both those types of films uh, create an involuntary reaction. So, you know, obviously comedies, they're getting you to laugh. And horror is trying to get you scared, like to freak out a little bit. Yep. And so that can be such a subjective thing from person to person that, you know, it's like, like, dude, zombies just bug me, man. They don't scare me. They're just annoying. And yet somebody else could be like, no, dude, there's just something about them. I don't know what it is. Yeah, and it's the same thing like with comedy. If you throw a chimp in any kind of human clothing in a movie, I'm I'm gonna light up. I'm gonna smile. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna like, oh, wait, wait a minute, where's this movie going? <laughs> Who's that little guy? <laughs> yeah, hey, hey little fella. Oh Lord, he's coming. <laughs> you got a Hawaiian shirt on, look at him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah it's just they i think with keanu i remember it came out and people are like oh, this is rotten tomatoes 29 percent or something what the that actually might be worth checking out oh man them's people wrong <laughs> yeah and it's just i think it's because they're like i don't know looking for like a deeper metaphor or something it's like no this is made to be silly and funny and Well, I didn't find it funny. And you're like, well, all right. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't work for you. It's all depended on the the day, too, you know. I watched uh, the first time I saw Quarantine. Me and my buddies were just in the right mindset. And it was like the scariest movie I've ever seen. I watched it again. I was like, eh. Yeah. You know. It's just. It goes up and down. Same with The Ring. I remember The Ring. It scared me. I was pretty young, too, but yeah, that movie got me good. I, I kind of like to watch it now. just doesn't scare me at all anymore. Uh, but yeah. uh, it's really not that Would scary you say, <laughs> when you were mentioning It, you talking about the old original one or the new one? Uh, I, I I hardly remember the old one. The, I did see the, the new one, but I would say that the old one is way scarier than the new one. Yeah. The new one's like they're trying to do a, a comedy out of it, which I think the first part, they did a pretty good job. 
because the kids are kind of silly and funny in the book. Yeah. So it's like the humor kind of landed better, but in the second one, it's just like it. It really kind of annoyed me, <laughs> and I love that book, so I'll like I'll rewatch it. And every time I rewatch that second part, I'm like, man, I kind of hate this. Yeah. So I don't know something about Tim Curry. It's like you don't need to have a giant weird shaped clown with like thousands of teeth. It's like you just got to get Tim Curry. In clown makeup and get him to just talk. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, that terrified me. That's why I ended up reading the book because my de- way of dealing with things that freak me out is just to learn about them, kind of take their power away. And uh, I read the book and I was like, oh, holy shit, this is really good. And it was the only book that's ever been able to like disturb me. I I would say it scared me, but just more in the sense of like I'd read it before going to bed, and then you kind of close the book, set it down, and then it's just dark in your room, and you're like, Ugh. Jeez. <laughs> I think maybe I'll just read another chapter because I don't really want to go to bed right now. Yeah, I definitely um, read that book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I agree. Have you read any Stephen King? Oh man, very few. I can't even remember the one I read now. Can't think of the name, but it's been a while. But I think that's the first one I'm gonna read. Been a while. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm always looking for people that have read it as well to kind of do a deep dive into it. Yeah. Um I don't know how we can do this since we're in two different states. Um I would normally have you slap my wrist for getting this wrong. <laughs> Keanu uh actually did a bit better than what I said. Oh. It has a 77 tomato meter oh. percentage. So good. Rotten Tomatoes thought it was good, but the audience is 55%, oh. which I guess is like rotten popcorn. Wow. But that's still really high for rotten popcorn. So yeah. my bad. <laughs> but well, I just remember well, it coming and going and like people didn't talk about it much and... I remember some people being like, uh, I didn't like it. So maybe I, I mixed I it up with something else. It. I think you'll get pick up what they're putting down. No, I think so. Just like the chimp rule, a cat, like, all right, what's that little guy doing? Oh, yeah. You're, uh, yeah. This is kind of that kitty is adorable. And it's a, yeah. it's a star of the show. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. Well, all right, so those are your horror movies. Um, Feel free to write us at fakoshka at gmail.com if you have any horror movie suggestions or thoughts on the films that we've watched already. And we will read that on the air if it's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So we will jump into that again next week. So on that note... Let's maybe get into a little bit of music, music talk. That sounds good. Um, yeah. Uh, first things first, rest in peace, Eddie Vedder. <laughs> I mean, oh. Eddie oh. Van Halen. I would slap you if I was there. <laughs> you know what's funny? That's an actual slip up. I wasn't trying to make a joke. I did that the other day, too. Yeah. Eddie Vedder. Oh. Oh. <laughs> what did I just do? I just never put um, the Eddie on there. 
He's just always been Van Halen to me. <laughs> yeah. I I guess that I was kind of thinking about that the other day as I was reading up on him. I was just like, he, he just is just Eddie Van Halen. Like, I'm sure he changed his name to that, right? Or is that his real name? I have no idea, actually. Yeah, so it's like, I was like, so did the band... Uh, yeah, this is Eddie's band, and just calling it Van Halen. Band. I mean, that is a cool name. And that, it is? It would, could be a name. So, <laughs> yeah. I think growing up, I always thought it was like an old... A car model or something like that, like a Coupe de Ville. <laughs> yeah, a van, like a Van Halen, like sleek and cool. Yeah, I'm trying to give us a ride, but I'm no good at Van Halen. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'll be honest, I wasn't a huge Van Halen fan. Um, over the last five years or so, I've actually warmed up to them considerably. And, you know, throwing them on from time to time. But, I mean, there's still plenty of albums that I didn't get that into. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely a David Lee Roth guy. Oh. Like, he's the singer that I'm, I mess around with. Like, I... For sure. I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar, right. And, you know, I'm going to go through and try to listen to more of it just to kind of comprehend it. I remember that's uh was really valuable for me with David Bowie. That was another artist that I'd always enjoyed kind of peripherally. And then he passed away and was like, well, let me actually try to understand this guy and uh same same deal with Prince. Just a yeah. lot of these great artists that were not of my era. And yeah, yeah he was obviously like an amazing guitar player, really influenced Tons of people. Yeah, it was my first, uh, one of my first CDs. I, my buddy, uh, this is old school. He mm-hmm. had like a machine that could copy like CDs. Like you put a blank oh, on yeah. one side, put a CD in the other. Like yeah. not even on the computer. And he made me a copy of Beatles Abbey Road and the Van Halen Greatest Hits that started out with Eruption and it had a okay. Running with the Devil and oh, just jump some awesome songs ain't talking about love and that i used to just rock that cd multiple times a day and it's funny because i i loved it i love that cd but i never like that has nothing to do with me playing guitar i'll be completely honest like i was never like oh man i want to be like van halen yeah (laughs) like that's the reason I i do what i do i wasn't gonna be a guitar player you know, wasn't going to be a guitar player as like a, a pursuit as a profession until college, you know, it was just for yeah. fun until I was like, oh, actually, I might be able to like do this. Um, Keep rolling with it. So it, it it didn't actually get me started playing guitar, but I definitely, you know, it's in there because it's I listened to it so much that all this, his sound and how he his licks and how he played or uh, definitely in my my psyche somewhere so yeah uh, what was the first instrument you played oh we all had to start on piano yeah it's a pretty common thing yep same deal in my family turn eight get on the piano yeah and what was was a guitar that you were drawn to like beyond that or was it banjo first yeah it was banjo first and accordion 
like the two most annoying instruments save the bagpipes. <laughs> you were like, I could save them. I know how to use them properly. Indeed. I was like, they're cool. I love I love the banjo. I've always loved the banjo. So yeah. the accordion too. And for dang good reason. Anybody who thinks the accordion is any kind of a shitty instrument, it's just I don't know what's wrong with you. Like there's people that play that thing so amazingly. It's it's cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh so yeah, guitar didn't really I started picking that up in like late maybe eighth, ninth no, ninth grade I was in jazz band. That's mm-hmm. when I was starting to play a little more guitar and then uh kind of did a little bit here and there. Then right out of high school, I started taking lessons and stuff. That's where it really kicked off. There yeah. you go. And then I got in a, up on campus. I took a guitar ensemble class, and I got in there, and I was like, wow, I'm the best guitar player in here. And I was a chemistry yeah. major. So I was like, okay, time to do. Putting chemistry on the fretboard, man. <laughs> so, Who was the first guitar player that you're like, oh, that's that's kind of what I want to do? Um, That's the thing. I have not ever like been chasing anybody as a guitar player in any, or musician, really. I've always just kind of... It wasn't like a sound or a yeah, certain like kinda, band that you were like, oh, that's the kind of stuff I want to make. I just, I just love it all. I just always want to make music and um, I'd say if I had the the guitar player that's like I saw live and heard him play, I was like, I want to be that guy. It would be Al Dimiola from Return to Forever. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's was a great player. Stuff. Yeah, and he, you know, you'd listen to him and you could totally hear the Van Halen licks in his playing. And so jumping back to that for a sec, Van Halen yeah. definitely had an influence on like all the people I love and me and just every guitar playing in general he actually like the whole tapping thing eruption and all that he uh i don't i think it was that song or he's he was yeah. just known when he first came out to like turn away from the audience and no one would figure out what he was doing because he like yeah. kind of was the first one to really be doing that that way he did it so he's well known for popularizing the tapping guitar solo technique allowing rapid arpeggios to be played with two hands on the fretboard yeah yeah. So that's the thing. I watched a really cool video of him playing just like a couple of years ago and doing that. And he went into eruption a little bit and just doing some other stuff. He actually did a really cool thing where he was just uh, tremoloing the first string with his pick. And he was mm-hmm. playing all these cool bass lines with his left hand, just hammering them down, you know. Had a, yeah. a pretty cool sound. I'd never heard anybody do that before. So I was like, For oh, sure. that's cool. It's still had something innovative that I hadn't seen. Yeah. So. And and I mean, I'm sure there was guitar players before him that tapped or did some variation of it. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, when I first started playing bass, um, you know, if people listen to how I play now, they might be like, oh, he's just trying to do a Les Claypool thing. But in general, you know, when I was getting into music, it was new metal stuff. So I always liked the bass of Corn. That was Fildy, just doing the slap, clickety clackety bass. Yeah. And then I liked Wes Borland from Limp Biscuit, and he actually did kind of tapping guitar stuff, but it was more like a rhythmic thing. And he apparently got that from Les Claypool. Oh, nice. And then I'm sure Les Claypool, it's like 
doing all the tapping stuff he can do. I wouldn't be surprised if a little bit of Eddie Van Halen was in that, you know? Yeah, the right hand stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. It totally so sounds like what he was doing. Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely an important thing to point out, I think, especially this day and age where you can kind of just pull up a YouTube video and how do you do that weird little trick? And yeah. you can see it and practice it over and over and ba-boom. I, like I, there's this uh, scratch slide thing that Gojira does a lot. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? And I just was able to look it up. I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. it. But it's like when Eddie Van Halen came out, it's like he was blowing people's minds. I had to go get a ticket and try to get up close to see him. And then he turned away from the stage. Yeah. <laughs> from what I was reading, apparently he got a lot more open with it as he got older. Like yeah. doing, you know, workshops and this is how I do what I do and all that stuff. And uh, I would say another interesting thing I read um, was a story from Quincy Jones, who was the producer for Michael Jackson. Yeah. And he uh, called up Eddie Van Halen to see if he would come in and work on Michael Jackson's Thriller album. Yeah. And I was like, well, we can see if they could do that. But he's been a lot more into keyboards lately. And I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> that he was just like, yeah, I'm amazing at the guitar. I'm going to kind of... What about these keyboards? I'm going to do some stuff with that. And So he didn't believe it was Quincy Jones when he called a bunch of times. I was like, no way, man. It's like, get out of here. But he eventually showed up at the studio, laid down, I think it was one take, the solo on Beat It. Yep. And I think he played on Thriller, but I'm not, like the song itself, but I'm not entirely sure about that one. But uh, I did find that interesting. I didn't know that until reading up on him the last couple of days. Yeah. I was like, awesome. Yeah, he's got a really interesting story. I read a few articles about the Beat It recording, too, and it's very interesting. Yeah. Very oh, influential and... guy. Speaking of Limp Bizkit, do you remember that story I read you? Which one? Where uh, when West Portland left Limp Bizkit, they were looking for different guitar players. And I guess they had reached out to Eddie Van Halen. Oh, yeah? And so he came over. And I'm going to, I'm just paraphrasing because it's been a minute since I read the story. But he came over, brought his equipment and jammed with him and... He apparently like this is ridiculous. Fred Durst and his buddies are just hanging around smoking pot while I play. So he's just like, eh, I'm out of here. And you know, he left his stuff there for a minute. Oh yeah. And then he apparently came up with like camo boots and gear up onto Fred Durst's property. I think <laughs> he had a weapon. He's like, Where's my equipment, man? And Fred's just like, It's inside. Oh. <laughs> Come get it. Yeah, it's never gonna change. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was a hilarious story. It's like, oh man, Eddie Van Halen coming up and threatening Fred, threatening Fred Durst. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess on that note, rest in peace, Edward Ludwig Van Halen. So it looks I, like that was his name. It's Dutch. There you go. I mean, sixty-five is pretty old for how hard that guy partied like that he smoked cigarettes probably right out of the womb 
and yeah. just like drinking all kinds of other drugs. Uh, he smoked till like the end, as far as I know. So like, yeah, yeah, that's, it was that's throat cancer you. that got him, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, so it sucks. Still too young, but it seemed like it might have been able to be preventable. Yeah, he he. I, to say, I think he squeezed a good amount of life out of his ears. I think so. If I think about my own existence, sure, it's creepy to think about it all coming to a close. But if you really think about it, you're like, yeah, do I want to go till I'm like that shaky old man? It's like a hundred. Like, do I want to go that far? Or do I just want to live my life to the fullest? Get to 70, yeah. maybe. I was, I was kind of thinking about that the other day randomly. And I, I was like, I really don't want anyone to have to wipe my ass. I really, yeah, just, no. that's the point that I don't want to get to. I um, might want to have people do other things with it. But I don't want them to wipe it. That's my job. Exactly. Like if I am incapable of doing that, I'm like, you know, I really don't want it to be like an unfortunate injury or something that makes it the case for like a couple of months. It'll get better. I'm just saying if it gets to the point where it's like, okay, from now on, that's about the time I'd probably like to go. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, man, I just, I try to picture, like, I would like to, like, get married and have a family for love and because I want to, not because I'm, like, worried about dying alone, because that's just totally a thing. Like, I picture, you know, like, oh, man, I just have a family that just, I had one just because you're kind of supposed to or some cultural nonsense. Yep, and then I'm just old, and it's just like I guess we'll go see Grandpa. Like, meh. like I just I don't <laughs> ever want to live that. I either yeah. want to be like an awesome grandpa, be close to my family, or just do this. Like, nope, I kind of run solo. Yeah, try to hook up where I can, keep my friends close, work on my artwork, and just run it, run it dry. Yep, keep along. Yep. Screw them societal pressures. You do what you want. Absolutely. So, yeah, once again, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Um, I recommend everybody go listen to, I think it is just a self-titled one. That record's awesome. I definitely know that. That has Eruption on it. That has uh, Running With The Devil, which is yeah. my personal favorite Van Halen song. Mm-hmm. That's a good tune. Yeah. You know, it also came of his passing as I was reading, uh, I watched an interview with uh, Steve Lukather, uh, a session musician, also started Toto, was in the guitar player and one of the singers in Toto. Okay. I kind of went down a rabbit hole on his stuff because he, he's all the other guitars on Beat It. Anything that's not the solo is him. And oh. so he kind of had to copy Van Halen's tone a little bit so it didn't sound too different and... The guy yeah. is amazing. He played with everybody. I went down this just rabbit hole of Steve Lukather. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. After I, well, you know, because I watched the thing to hear about the story with Van Halen. And I went, it was like, I, I knew who Steve Lukather was. I just never really dug into it. And he's got a group called Los Lobotomies. That's really good. Uh, just cool. Cool stuff. Great, uh, like, great, great guitar player. So good. Just Los insane. Lobotomies. So, yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. It opened uh, 
Van Halen's door closing opened the window of Steve Lukather into my life. So opened into Toto. <laughs> um, let me add, here's a random weird music question. I like this it. This could maybe even uh this might be a theme of a future project we're working on. But we could come back to it in that if once we figure it all out. Um, what is your opinion on scooped mids? With bass guitar. <laughs> Scooped mids, you say? Yeah, it was a term that kept popping up when I was looking up Ryan Martini's bass tone. That is the ah. bass player from Soft in the Glare and Mudvayne. And yeah. I was like, man, this guy's tone is so good. So I kind of was l- lightly researching it. And, you know, it goes to this forum with a bunch of bass players of varying knowledge and skill probably wildly wildly varying <laughs> yeah but like, see he's just got this crazy attack man it's crazy attack but it's mostly scoop mids and not much else and he's like oh yeah scoop mids and i know people are scared of scoop mids but they're really good and nobody really said exactly what it is i know what it is in terms of what it does with the dials on your amp you're just kind of doing that little scoop in the middle where your low and your high is high. Yeah. And then your mids just kind of go down and it like does a little valley V shape. Cause yeah, a lot so of, yeah. That is exactly what it is. It, you know, if you look at the EQ, like a full graphic EQ that has like every frequency band is its own little thing. There's it usually looks like five there's of them, right? Well, I'm talking like on the big studio ones with like f- oh, okay. 24, 48 of them, you know. Okay, You'll see yeah. a big scoop right in the middle. And so if, you're, if your amp has like three of them, it would just mean take the middle one and turn it down and leave the other yeah. ones where they're at. Uh, so the reason the guy said, why is somebody scared of it is because that's kind of where your clarity comes through on bass. You know, the mids are where mm-hmm. kind of the punch comes and all the actual note uh comes out so right it doesn't make sense his bass tone does kind of have just a really heavy punch but all that really high clacky kind of a growl to it yeah so it does does make sense i i don't know i wouldn't even say i'd say it's probably more like boosting the low and high more than scooping the mids which is still the same thing it still looks like an ice cream scoop taken mm-hmm. out of the you know the sound but right. i think it'd probably be more something like that you wouldn't want to like turn the mids down too much because that is where the the meat is just boost up well, the bass boost up the high a little get, get let me hit pack. you let me hit you with two things one um this is just for people's information um corn Fieldy, the bass player that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. his whole thing was to turn the low and the high all the way up and completely turn down the mids. So there you go. So there Scoop he gets that slappy, clicky, whateverness. Yep. But then the punch is like, Brr. and yeah. then those seven string guitars just take care of all that space in between. That makes and, sense. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, as you learn bass and you're do- learning your own things, you're like, what is this shit? <laughs> like, I think I should add that Fieldy's an interesting bass player, but I wouldn't say, like, crazy good. He's pretty straightforward. So, 
as you grow with the instrument, you know, to like each their own. But I was like, I no, I can't do it like that. Yeah. You know, you want to have like like you're saying, it's that clarity. Like I notice when the mids go up, you can hear the notes better and the melody can kind of come in. And so one of the things that also came up on that uh uh message board was that if you had five dials on your amplifier, what one person did was 50 low, 100 on the next mid, 50 on the middle mid, 100 on the next mid, and then 50 on high. Do you have any opinions on that? That would probably be more where the bases get where you'd get the tones like that you would want out of the bass. So yeah, that yeah. makes sense with the, Interesting. With the five ones because the super high, like the ultra high, is like the the nails on a chalkboard, like right in your ear stuff. So you want to yeah. be real careful messing with that, you know? Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was interesting because I've been recording with my band Gamapa and our buddy Shaki. He plays guitar in that, and we're just trying to learn all about mixing and where to have all the frequencies at. It's been it's been a process learning all that stuff. It's like seems endless. Yeah, I it's kind of. It's interesting you mentioned. I think about corn. I'm kind of wondering uh, if that's the same thing with soften the glare. If uh, their guitar players like using a lower tuning to kind of fill in some of that too, because hmm. he sounds pretty low down, you know. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. So. Well, and that was what one person was going into is, uh, and and it makes me wonder how much people actually ever think about this. I don't think a lot of up and coming bands do just because it's something you learn a little bit later. But, like, oh, I can turn this section of my bass down because that guitar is going to occupy a lot of that frequency. So actually, like, adjusting everything in relation to who you're playing with, I thought that was kind of interesting. That's a big thing, you know. If if you've got your bass to sound exactly like, you know, the soft of the glare sound, to your ears, it probably wouldn't sound anything like his bass actually sounds because you're hearing it with the whole album and stuff and all mixed. So, yeah, yeah, it definitely is a big part of it. Like guitar, you know, we when we actually get in the studio and stuff, they end up EQing out like most of the the like bottom end of the guitar because it gets too muddy. So it's mm-hmm. all this thoroughly high stuff to. You just get the notes in there and let everything else kind of fill in the low end because you don't need it on the album, but you can yeah. kind of still feel it live. Yeah. Well, and that's that's been an interesting thing is because for me, I've tried to think of uh, ways to kind of make a sound distinction between Gamma and Fakoshka, the band you and you and I are in. Uh-huh. And that's kind of been a thing. It's like, well, Fakoshka is heavier than Gamma Pot. It's a lot more... There's a lot more metal elements, I guess, is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I've been like... So one thing I've, you know, constant, consciously decided is like, well, I'll go to drop D with Fakoshka and stay in standard with Gamma Pot. It's just a tiny little thing. But yeah. uh, I've always thought Fakoshka would be cool if you, like, 
did a seven string guitar. See what we could do with that. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> That'd be fun. I I haven't played too many of them. I played one in like a talent show in high school. We did a metal song and we played seven strings. And okay. I haven't played one since. <laughs> We've yeah. talked about doing it in Swamp Donkey too a little bit, playing some seven strings. So someday. Yeah. No, it's just definitely like, okay, yeah. Just the next Fakoshka record, which will come out eventually. Um, just a matter of trying to get together and get it tightened up and ready to go. But it's like, yeah, what if we just went like heavy, heavy on it? Because I think that was kind of a nice contrast is our first record's a lot more avant-garde and like weird. And I feel like over the years... A lot of the songwriting I've done is it's a lot more about like is this a catchy tune? Does it have a good hook? So coming yeah. back to Fakoshka stuff, it's like a little hookier, maybe a little more traditionally structured, but like having some good chunky heaviness to it. Yeah, and some still just some some stank. Yep. And I mean, you know, somebody listening to this that hasn't listened to Fakoshka, they might be like, Oh, you're just gonna do some polished radio rock now? Like no, that's definitely <laughs> not what I mean. <laughs> nope. I don't know if we could write a radio song if our lives depended on it. Like, maybe we could. Yeah, actually, we could. But, like, we wouldn't be happy. Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah. It's it's still going to be weird stuff. But, yeah, anyway, I, I guess we kind of went off on that. But that was just the tiny little... It's It's the tone. It's the constant search for the tone. Shocky's going through it right now, trying to get the right guitar tones he wants for the Gamma Paw songs. I'm yeah. like, how can I make my bass just a little punchier but clear when it's recorded? Well, that's the you know all those ultimate things. problem. All the tones you get in the room are so much harder to get to come out on your recording. Yeah, and the it's funny. The answer for your personal tone. Is it's in your fingers? I'm not talking to you specifically. I'm just right. talking to the world. Um, I'm saying the if, if you're sitting there like, man, I'm trying all these pedals and all these amps and guitars, and I can't get the tone. It's it's your fingers. It's not any of that. And if it's in the studio, you didn't spend enough money. You you have to spend yeah. thousands of dollars on gear, mics, preamps, and plugins, and that's how that's how it sounds good you know that's how that's what it takes you have to get the good stuff to get the really high quality sound um, mm -hmm. so i remember when we recorded our first album uh one of our best songs live is uh heroin sunrise and i really don't like the version we recorded and i can look back on it with hindsight and i'm like oh that's because i wanted this like little kind of scratchy delay effect on it that I got from my Digitech pedal. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't quite understand how to like adjust gains properly. And well, oddly enough, the bass, mids, and treble. So when we plugged that Digitech into whatever we were recording with, it, the tone of it was just way down. There was like almost no bass kick because whenever we had the Digitech plugged into a bass amp, it would just give the punch you needed from the amp. Yeah. So live, it had this bright, nice bite to it. And then when we recorded it, it's just like weak. Meow. 
Me, 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 me. Yeah. I was like, oh, like, I still listen to it. I'm just like, man. And it's same with the guitar, too, man. A drop B guitar, when you're in person, it'll hit you in the chest a little bit. Yeah. But it just doesn't come out on a record the same. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not of the mind to just keep getting a, tuning my guitar lower and lower. And Sure. If I'm going to do that, I'm just going to buy a seven string. And then yeah. Just buy an eight string and then just play bass. Yep. I think uh, some people definitely get lost going down that road. And I think there's probably some fun to be had there. I know the band Sonic Youth, uh, they were all about cha- doing weird tunings on their instruments. And I think what they would do is they'd just learn something with kind of like a general blues structure. And then they'd just mess with the tuning and play it exactly in the same spot. And just be surprised by, like, oh, yeah, it sounds like that when we do it. <laughs> it's just like... yeah. Such a weird roundabout way of getting there, but yeah, you could just like learn, you know, the instrument. And yeah, it was like, oh, that was like five steps notes. up, and maybe, <laughs> oh, it's only a half step down on the next up, next string up, or something, you know. Yeah, there's some, <laughs> definitely me. some some interesting tunings. There's some ideas with the tunings that I think are interesting, but um, I've never been one to mess around with it too much. I just yeah, the the bottom string. Goes down to D. That's about it. And on banjo, you have to retune. Yeah. I, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't use a capo on on that either. But sometimes you got to. Off the top of your head, and that, and that raises another interesting question. Now that you just said it, off the top of your head, what has been the most interesting messing with tuning song or band that you've heard? Um. Man, I don't even, I don't even know. Probably like guitar, like solo guitar players. There's some really cool solo fingerstyle guitar players that do really weird tunings that are really cool. Yeah. So that would be uh, probably what I would go with. You know who I always wondered if he did odd tuning, but I bet you it's probably he's just good and makes weird note choices. Is the guitar player from Meshuggah. And when he always has those jazzy, weird little solos. I'm like, oh, that's such a weird note choice. I always wondered if he just did weird stuff like that at all. Or if he's just like, nope, I know what notes I want. <laughs> it's probably yeah. the latter. Yep. You're getting that nice, you know, the the nasty notes. are. And it's kind of funny. Your Your ear has evolved with time, like with the whole races ear has a so week. We don't get as offended by weird notes as we used to. Like, yeah, you know, it, there was a riot when uh, Stravinsky released the Rite of Spring when they first performed that. And uh, yeah, <laughs> if you listen to it now, you're like, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's nice. Was it Antifa? <laughs> well, they didn't notes. like the note choices. Yeah, they were just angry about the notes. They're like, those are devil's notes, <laughs> demon notes. Isn't there like a devil's chord or something like that? The devil's interval, yeah. Interval. What is the, that again? The flat five. The flat tritone. Five. The diabolus in musica. Mother of God. Yeah. It's the <laughs> it's the Fakoshka chord. All the chord I hit like all the time in Fakoshka. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't use a power chord. I use 
that one. When you when you were writing guitar to Fakoshka stuff, where you're like, oh yeah, I'm using that a lot, <laughs> or did it just naturally like, oh wow, I'm using that a lot? Oh, I just have always liked the sound of it. It's really Fair nasty, enough. so I'm I'm in. And so. my next question that kind of popped up from some of the stuff you're saying: How important is a capo really? Like I said, it depends on the the genre. So basically, mm-hmm. banjo and maybe some guitar, and that's about it for getting away with using a capo. <laughs> so let banjo, me be. Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say like banjo is because you're in a key. Like you strum a banjo and it's a chord. And yeah. So you have you have a certain key limitations to just in that. So to like play. Just how the banjo sounds, you have to have it capoed because the high string has to be in the key too. So you actually have to use two capos on a banjo. There's that single high string and then the lower four. Mm. And then on guitar, it's kind of the same way. If you want to use, if you're playing like bluegrass, just those the bluegrass chords have a certain sound, and okay. so you'd want to have that. So if you're going to play in a weird tuning, like weird key, you're just going to probably want a capo and play your usual chords. Yeah. Instead of trying to play, make the intercords work. But if you're like playing jazz or something, anything like that, you just you should just know the chords, jump around. Right. <laughs> I guess that was kind of what I was wondering because you know you'll see the singer songwriter on the guitar, and he's like, yep. this, "This next one's about my heart," and he puts on the capo. And, that, that and as sense. a bassist, I've always like, why do they do that? Like, can't they just move their hand up? A couple steps, like, and I'll, I'll admit, I don't understand it. Well, the, like, so the I, guitar, I don't know. The guitar has these open chords, and you str- you're, play it's a chord, and there's only, you have like two fingers down, and the rest of the strings are open. It has right. a certain nice sound, and it's easy to play. Um, and it but, resonates nicely or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm guessing that person probably can't sing in that key, so they have to raise up the capo a little bit. And so they can mm. still play the same chords that they learned the song with, but they could sing it easier. That's oh, so it's like adjustment adjustment for the voice. Yeah, that's why. Interesting. Yeah, I never knew that. There you go. Because yeah, it's just like yeah, if the song's in that key, just like move your hand. Exactly. That's what, what I've always said. But it makes sense uh, for the you know the chords sound better like that on on acoustic guitar usually. So. Yeah. Well, and the thing I've really gotten into. I don't know exactly what the technique's called. It's a thing that Les Claypool does where he like kind of rhythmically strums down with his fingernails, like brushes down. It's kind of like a flamenco move, I think. Roschiato. Roschiato. Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah, I've started to do that a lot. And I really like maybe on my D string moving the note around, but then having the G string stay open. Cause then it just resonates yeah. the whole time. It makes kind of a nice tonality to when you're like strumming something. Yeah. Kind of keeps stuff in the air, like wow, 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 a little bit rather than jing, jing, jing or whatever. You hear that a lot in like the emo uh, guitar. You'll hear like, They'll just move a chord around, but you'll hear like the bottom string and the top string ringing open like the whole time. Ding, huh. ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Everything's like ringing below the same notes. My yeah. eyes. 
They're hurting. Yep. My eyes. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> no, yeah. And and I learned it. I I think I did it naturally, but then I leaned into it when I learned that uh, Deftones did it. I was like, oh, that's kind of where they get those like tones from certain yeah. songs. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And they definitely have some emo-y stylings to some of the stuff they do. So that makes sense. I think, I think that one spot, I hopefully you'll be able to know what I'm talking about, but there's a one spot on some song on a kitty massage parlor where I hit that one weird note and it goes like, oh, kind of like... No, it's on the other one. It's on the live one, uh, where the notes kind of just hit against each other, kind of makes this weird, and that's that. You know, having an open string next to a fretted note that's just like a little bit away. It's a cool sound. This is the part where you go. Yeah, that that's one of them. Yeah, so that's like the two guitar, like just being like one note apart. Sounds really funky. Oh, that's the end of Billy Mitchell. Is it? Yeah. Is that something you're doing in that? Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. how that sound comes out. Dissonance used to yeah. be the devil, and now everybody's like, yeah, give me that. Give me that devil. Let's butt chug the devil. It's <laughs> mm, a good album. <laughs> I have to apologize. We're talking about butt chugging a lot at work today for some reason. Huh. Nice. Do you remember that story? It actually started with that one YouTube video, which I think either you or our buddy Dan showed us. It's the lawyer giving the press conference. Like the guy at the frat house that oh, was butt yeah, chugging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so we were talking about that. And then I think it this might be a real story. Once again, write us if you can correct me further. But I remember hearing a story where this couple went on a honeymoon and they were trying to be a little freaky and try some new stuff. So the wife put some wine in her husband's ass and he ended up being allergic to something that was in that wine and it killed him. <laughs> it was the first time he drank his wine and he drank it with his I don't, ass? I can't remember like what the... If it was a particular type of wine, or like what, or just like, yeah, I, there's so many questions. Yeah, but I remember so just reading the story, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe she poisoned the wine. Maybe she wanted to be rid of him. I don't know. Yeah. But I always, I never they thought won't... about her wanting to kill him until like later, as I got older and realized how most marriages go. I remember reading it when I was younger and just being like, oh my god, how sad. She killed her killed her one true love with wine in his ass. Well, she was like, they won't they won't check it for poison if I put it in his ass. <laughs> Nobody wants to check there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of became a running theme. Uh, we were talking about the ending of Game of Thrones and one of our coworkers hadn't seen it. Like she, I watched it up until like the last two episodes. What even happened? And I'm like, oh well, Jon Snow and uh, <laughs> Daenerys, they were hooking up, and Daenerys put some wine in his asshole. <laughs> She's like, what? Good lord! I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, no, it's just that thing we've been talking about all day. Like, oh <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Anyways, um, we've actually, I guess that scoop in the mids combo went a little longer than I anticipated. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll have to save some of those articles for next time around. But uh, that sounds good. Before we check out, is there any kind of a weird news story or anything you got for me? Oh yeah, we got one here. Okay. So I know we've had some local ones. So everybody's gonna get the get what's going on in Cache Valley here. It's gonna start piecing the puzzle together. Yeah, so this one is a mystery train makes late night runs through south end of Cache Valley. Ooh. So I like it. I like the this article. This starts one sentence in the first paragraph. Call it the Phantom Train. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I have to interrupt to... real quick since we've been doing band talk. Yeah. My first band, Nadia Perro. Jeff and I really danced around calling it Bad Train for a long oh, yeah. time. Yep. <laughs> that's and that's a pretty cool name. I we really liked it. We eventually just like, I don't know, maybe not, I don't know. And we just kinda of backed away, but Yeah. Bad train. Sounds yeah, it sounds like a motorhead song too. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe that's what it was. We were doing something a little more metal and it changed a little bit when we got into Nadia Perro. Even though that's a pretty metal band, too. But, anyway. So, Mystery Train. Phantom Train. Yeah. So, uh, apparently this last Saturday, 2 o'clock in the morning, a train comes running through Logan. And it's just this huge one. And they're going, it's like going really slow, and it's like really long. And I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you don't now, because you have a much better train where you are now. But True. we get a train comes through town like once like it's only in the daylight hours and i swear it's on like thursdays like you can hear it like every couple of days you hear a train sometime in the afternoon and it goes from hiram to lewiston that's it so Hmm. just a little you know what 40 mile run maybe a little jaunt yeah and so um apparently there's an empty train sitting out on the tracks it's a half mile long and that's the one and then it left on Sunday at midnight. So everybody is like, you know, called the newspaper and stuff because they're like, what is this train? Like, why is it why is it going in the middle of the night? And it's like super long. And so mm-hmm. the Herald Journal reached out to the Union Pacific and tried to figure it out. And yeah. apparently it's hauling rock to kind of do some repairs. Like they dump the rock to like build up around some track somewhere. Oh, okay. So, I think that's all it is. It's like a repair train going around fixing stuff. Uh, but kind of caused a little stir. That's that's how boring this town is. Yeah, how how awesome would it like, be if they minute. called the the union or whatever and they're like, what are you talking about? There's no train there. They actually kind of said that. That is oh, really? They, they, they were like, well, are you pretty sure it's this one? Like, that's probably this one. They didn't give like a definitive answer because like, apparently they can't. It's like they, if it's like a customer of theirs, they can't give any info on it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, they were kind of just like, ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Are guessing it's this train that has like some rock in it to fix stuff? It's probably that one. So we might have to make our 80s tribute movie come Phantom Train. Yeah. Call That's it pretty the cool. Phantom Train. Yeah. Yeah, I be think really uh, if like it was was 
you know, people like went up to it and it like disappeared after like some crossing or yeah, or a guy kind of on the tracks and it just went through him. Yeah, it's kind of like Sleepy Hollow vibes. Yeah, instead of a headless horseman, it's just just ghost train, <laughs> cabooseless locomotive, <laughs> the spooky caboose. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good band name. Oh yeah, I think they're gonna do our theme song next next week. Okay, let's hit them up. Yeah, um, yeah, I I like it. I I guess all I would say is, as you were telling me that, I was just thinking like, man, there there was a time when like trains were like the future transportation. It's and like, we shouldn't have ever let that change. They should still be why, how we get around mostly, I think. Well, obviously newer trains and not that old school stuff. Like, yeah, we've seen those light rails. Like, there's so many cool proposed ideas of like a national light rail system. It's like oh, you yeah. could get around the country like easy. Anybody who's been to London and used the tube. Like for how many people that moves around, that is a fine China system. Yeah, yeah. Just like it, it works great, and it would be awesome if we could get that where you could take, you know, you take the little subway around your local place, get on the light rail to go national, and you can go to an airport and fly international. That could all be public transportation. Look here, buddy. I'm not sharing a spooky caboose with a bunch of different strangers. <laughs> I don't want. I'm gonna haunt my own truck. Yeah, spew CO2 into the air. (laughs) Exactly. It's a diesel. It needs to warm up for 20 minutes before I drive it. And yeah, like once again, feel free to write us and tell us how you disagree with this. I don't think this is politics because I'm. I don't think climate change is a political thing. I think it's a. It is not fact. It's a science thing that we got to figure out, and it's that old meme you've probably seen thrown away, thrown around, or rephrased. But it's like, oh, if we end up being wrong about all this climate change stuff for some crazy reason, oops, we made nature better and air cleaner, and oh yeah, oh come, no, come, <laughs> come take a bite of our air in the middle of winter here in Cache Valley, and. Yeah, you'll be you'll be all about wanting to clean up the air. It's horrible. That's what I'm saying, man. And uh, and that's the thing is, I totally understand like America's love of the of the motor vehicle, the car, or the truck. Like yeah. it's something very cool and American about that. I mean, I know I'm one to speak for having an expired driver's license for years, but <laughs> I've never been much of a car guy. But believe it or not, there's a part of me that's just like, no, like cars are awesome and. Some spend old a lot school. Of money wanting you to think that. Yeah, and I mean, it's just turn it into fun and an activity. If you're going into the city, if you're going to work, take a train, take a bus, take this or that, and let's invest in making those nicer. Yeah. So yeah, it isn't like graffiti-filled, nasty bus with one bad wheel. Some guy screaming about the ghosts in his head. <laughs> There's a spooky caboose <laughs> in my brain. If you just imagine how much money everybody spends on their car, payments and gas and repairs. Yeah. And 
and not even like a quarter of what you spend on that you paid in taxes and everybody paid that our public transportation would be amazing there would be a bus every 10 minutes mm-hmm. it would be clean it would be fast and if there was no other cars on the road then things could be flying yeah if you're in downtown oh maybe we should all just walk around imagine that they could have even those little electric scooters to rent mm-hmm. you know stuff like that it's crazy it's, thing called bicycles yeah those are fun and again i would not want to be on one right now i because like the drivers yeah. around here are scary to drive with in a car but if there was exactly. no drivers if everybody was you know using the buses and also biking it'd be much much safer but yeah imagine that if we just cut it down that much but then it's like hey uh Hey, uh, Margaret, how about we take the kids, we uh, drive out to the beach, we get the car out of the garage. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wheel it out, make sure it's all tuned up, and we'll get to hear that engine. She's like, ooh, I love the engine and the vibration. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's a fun thing. It's like a cool thing to do. Bust out the car. We're, we're gonna go drive around this weekend. Yeah. Make it be all classy. Yeah. Cool old. Still, it could just, be, still yeah. throw away all the late cars and get back all the cool ones from like the 40s and 50s. Oh, yeah. Soup them <laughs> up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Good sound systems. It, yeah. it could be like when planes first came out and people would dress up to get on the plane. Everybody's yeah. in like a suit and a summer dress and let's get into the minivan, sweetie. And then bring back the Concorde. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't think any of that was political. And if that's no. political for you, then you're an ass. And you can write us and so we can make fun of you. And we'll and write back like, <laughs> dear Mr. Ass, you're an ass. Somebody right. should put wine in you and you die because you're allergic. <laughs> uh, true that. All right. So well, I guess it's been a good long episode, man. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty good uh, just ramble on episode. Yeah. So uh, we did we did kind of tease that we were talking about a another segment or a, another show under the Fokoshka Network. Okay. So I said project, you but you're going in on project. show. All right. I don't know whatever you want to call it. Okay. Let's see. Let's see what the people do. So if you have any fun musical questions, you can send them in, and well, we can you know send them into Fokoshka at gmail.com or any other uh anything we talked about as usual but that is yeah. something we've kind of been tossing around just having a little musical show so well so, if yeah if you had noticed i think i know a fair amount about music but i was like what scooped mids what's a capo for what's this and who had all the answers it was your boy kellen <laughs> I would I would define you as a bit of an expert. Would you argue with that? No, I kind of do it what a you, lot. I spend a lot of studied. time with all this stuff. Yep, it's your profession. <laughs> yeah, this I isn't do it all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky enough to be in a band with you, but like, yeah, you 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 know your stuff. It's like yeah. uh, you got a lot of knowledge that we could share with people. So. It's not just two dudes that are like metalheads trying to break down music. You definitely got music history, music theory, music knowledge. 
anything guitar amps guitar tones yeah i mean you repair amps too right yeah yeah see so all kinds of stuff (laughs) and i'll come along for the ride because i think i have an interesting perspective on musical things and perhaps good questions so yeah, just start hitting us with some musical themes or discussions or questions and we might get that podcast rolling pretty soon. That'd be fun. Awesome. And who knows, we might do a few more little chats about it. Might become a spin-off a little later. We'll see what happens. But either okay. case, send us stuff. Well, we that's certainly possible. There was two music articles we didn't even get to this time. I thought we were going to, but we, we just yeah. didn't. So. We'd be chatting. All right, then. Well, it's been a lovely episode number seven. Indeed. Lucky number seven. All right. Have a wonderful October movie fest, and we'll talk more about that next week. And only three more weeks until we have a complete political episode. Yay, we get to let all the demons out. Let them out. All right. Y'all have a good evening, a good day, wherever you are listening to this. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Jacob Wayne Show. If you would like to contact us, please write us at fakoshka at gmail.com. That is F-A-K-O-S-H-K-A at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Simply search The Jacob Wayne Show and it should pop right up. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Please write us. It helps add content to the show and makes the show even better for you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, <laughs> oh,